Welcome to Serially Hooked Star Wars. We are hookers, Chris and Richard, and today, I don't have lately, I have always. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and at seriallyhooked.com where you can get all our latest info. And while you're at it, also make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Next week, we'll have a new weekly hook, but unfortunately, we'll have to wait until we can discuss the last episode of Andor at a later time. But we'll have many more Star Wars things in the future. And I'm very excited about that. We're taking a week off, Chris. We're, we are taking a week off. There are some personal matters to attend to. And it's, you know, it's a lot of fun recording these, but sometimes, you know, there are things going on. And it's just building the suspense for the season finale is what it is. And um, with that, I don't want to be alone. I want Marva. You had to bring that quote out right now. Of course. <laughs> oh, of course. My heart it's... is already aching. <laughs> it is the most affecting line of this entire uh, episode. Of course, I had to quote it. It's incredible. B is. Oh. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm just like head over heels <laughs> for B. He is a, yeah. a treasure. And if anything happens to him, and I suspect something will happen to him, I will be emotionally crushed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Droids and Star Wars, am I right? I mean, the um, the way they emote them isn't always incredible, but they've nailed it yet again with B. And who has emotions like to a definitely human depth? And it's just it's just all very murky in terms of their status in the Star Wars universe still. And I don't know. I I just I love droids so much. We should get around to doing that droid draft at some point. Or just a chop for a droid thing or whatever. It's just the droids are really killing it. Anyway, <laughs> so what do you think about this episode, Rashad? I mean, this episode is just like putting the pieces in play for what feels like it's going to be an epic finale. I don't mm. think... That, I mean, this episode is great for what it is. And it was it was a good kind of relaxation from the previous episode where it was so intense for so long. But what's great about this episode, in putting the pieces together, it's still masterpiece in emotion, and it brings a different level of depth in, in, a, in a new way. It's not action-packed. There's no amazing set pieces, and a lot of information is just repeated. A lot of people... I mean, the whole show is... The whole episode is people finding out that Marva died in different ways. And that alone is just so heartbreaking and it is i mean then when the when i opened up the episode and learned that the title was daughter of ferex i was like oh no marva's gone and mm. it immediately you know was filled with so much emotion so it's a great episode i really enjoyed watching it um and i it's it just it does what a penultimate episode episode does so perfectly. It gets me so excited for the next episode. And what's amazing about it, it doesn't do it in a cheesy way with a cliffhanger. It does it with emotion and movement of pieces and a tension that you can feel when you even turn off the screen. Yeah, I can I can only second that. It's you know, all of these emotional moments in here, whether that's with Cassian or with Mon or with with B obviously and I don't know I just 
found the I forget his name, but like the Cassian's friend who then looks after B. Also, such a good actor, such a great character. He's like whenever he's there, he's just he's just a good guy, you know. And it's just like this. He always gives me this warm feeling of like, yeah, this is someone who knows how to take care of people. B is so sad, and it makes me so sad. That's all I can think of right now. Oh, <laughs> I know. He's adorable. It's just like it's it's as if you know your closest pets or you know family members, and it just when he says like he looks up uh, and just says you could stay. It's just so adorable in such a way that is it's it's hard to put into words because he is the most the emotional center of a TV show in which he isn't. I don't even know who's voicing him. I have no idea. Like anything, like <laughs> he's just on the technically on the sideline, but he is the center of the show's emotion, and I, I just love it so much. I mean, it's just incredible. All all of the different noises as well. I I feel like he is kind of cat-like more i've had it in previous uh episodes where i thought okay the noises he makes the way he moves is kind of it's like a mix between cat a cat and wally um <laughs> which is a weird thing to say but um yeah i don't know it's just and yeah the the voice acting obviously um really were really well done and uh uh, it is actually uh, Dave Chapman. I just looked it up. Uh, who is like an English puppeteer and voice artist, who's been working for a long, long time uh, for, since the nineties with a lot of uh, on a, on a lot of very well known things, and it's just incredible. This one. Ugh. The thing is, that's the thing about this episode is that it's so good. Um, and we go around, we get to different cutscenes, and it seems so disparate in a way where it feels like the last episode is quite focused. Um, it seems mm. the culmination of all these arcs are very focused, but then an episode that comes in the fallout of that is very kind of sporadic. I was surprised that we didn't see sort of more of the consequences of the breakout. We obviously saw the one scene, and we'll talk about that later uh, when Castine and Melchi are kind of doing the thing. But we don't get yeah. much of the empire in on Narkina Five. We don't get the news like in the same in the same way. In the same way, we got with Aldani, kind of these different things. We, I mean, I is interest. It's surprising to me, and I wonder if when Melchi goes off on his own to try and spread the word, if that's going to come back. And it has to come back because Melchi's back in Rogue One. So I would imagine that that leads us to a similar place. So I'm excited yeah. to see. I mean, probably making a return in season two, I would assume. Yeah, we get a lot of different locations. And it's just, again, like we, we know all of these people now. And it's incredible what they have done in just a few episodes in terms of world building. And a lot of things, as you said, being moved forward. And yeah, it's I can't wait for next week. But we have to talk about this episode first. And, Before we um, get into our our favorite scenes, I want to talk about a, a, one thing that I think is genius across the, si- the 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 course of this episode is that, as I said at the beginning, this episode revolves around the death of Marva and people finding out about it in different ways. But what I found and what I love about this is within the circumstances of people finding out about Marva's death, it reveals different things about each individual character, and it culminates. Mm. And the last person to learn about this in the entire show is Andor. And yeah. <laughs> so, for example, when when 
Vel goes to tell Clea that is oh I'm at you know face value it is a scene where you know you're you're dumping information but there's so much depth that highlights their rivalry and mm-hmm. you know and Vel's stupidity as a bad spy um and it and also has a great mini monologue but we can get to that at a different point yeah. but when uh, for example when um, Cyril finds out it kind of highlights he still has this connection to his old corporate um, underlings and his his life and it it really kind of uh, cements his relationship with his mother and him kind of going away and, and it's like moving his um, kind of rebelling against the the life that she's pushed him into and all these things and um, when so it's just it's really interesting how across the board um, the way people learn about this information is is telling us something about their situation at any given time, even from the, the spy that Miro has on Ferex to Miro and her underlings and how she learns. And it's just, uh, I found it, it could, in a, in a, in a better, see, in a, in a worse TV show, the information would have been given to the audience once. And then it, we would have to then assume that everyone knows it or something, or they yeah. don't. And it's like, oh my God, big twist, shock, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of get that at the very end with Cassian, but it's something that had been building up over the episode as we, the audience, have heard the information over and over and over again as it impacts each individual character that we've been following throughout the season. And then the most important one, Cassian, at the very end, we can see the heartbreak on him and we feel this tension that's building and you know he's inevitably going to make it back to Ferex and we'll see what happens there. And just the, uh, you know directing and cinematography at the very end as well it's just very affecting with like the it, the show really takes its time here you know and <laughs> what is it about the sea that you know it is it's always like this ah uh, this longing this this all of these sorts of emotions um but yeah i think cyril specifically i'm just so i, I love every scene with him and his mom but also i don't think i can take much more because it's just so Oh, I just want him to be like a good, like a like a, an effective evil guy. I don't want to feel sorry for him. You know, I'm I'm ready for him to join ISB already. We'll get there, I'm sure. And there's one thing that there's one also another thing that I think is really fascinating about this episode is that it's highlighting the different cultural traditions of the empire. And mm-hmm. uh, we get a couple of them in this in this episode, but the one I'll highlight right now before we get into our top scenes is the funeral traditions and Ferex, yes. which I found so emotional and such a way to hammer home the amazing um, like specificity of the traditions and the thoughtfulness of this episode. Because how often, I mean, look at, for example, uh, Naboo and their funeral traditions that we see in the prequels. Just generic BS, basically, the mm-hmm. whole time. We don't get any creativity, anything unique, nothing like that. But in something like Ferex, when they're just, they, we didn't even see it. It happened off screen. But the idea that the human remains is then sculpted into the brick and then made into the walls of the city shows this deep connection that each individual people all has with the, the city around them and the structures and the buildings. And it is such a deep connectivity and not only is that such a so meaningful for what it is what place means and what home means in a place like Ferex, but also just this idea of um cultural specificity and highlighting something amazing in in such a creative way so just kudos to them 
And also, it I guess it also highlights the you know the extent to which the empire then comes in and tries to destroy that cultural um, heritage in a way. Yeah, they have no interest in it, and you can just see the imperial contempt for uh, local customs uh, on uh, Deirdre's face when she's getting told about it, and she's just like, "Ugh, what is this?" And it's just like, "Yeah, that's what happens." The uh, like the attempt at homogenizing everything in an empire. And Even better, it goes to it is a tool that they can use to their advantage. Yeah, and that's even crazier. And and this is a theme that we go throughout the entire show. It's a comment on you know homogeneity within empire and you know cultural dynamics, like talking about Aldani and what happened there and mm-hmm. their you know slow demise as a culture. And then we find out after the the incident in the eye, they're all in prison. And basically, we can imagine. And now that we've seen what imperial prisons look like, we can imagine their living conditions at the moment. So, yeah. it is an absolutely uh, incredible like. Masterclass in creative writing, and I just I wish I could imagine something more beautifully written, but it's I can't I can't it's impossible. I just want to give Tony Gilroy a big hug. Yes, please him and <laughs> him and, uh, him and um, Dave Filoni, like those two. Yes, of course, like, of oh, course, yeah. yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> oh, is the is exactly the sound that those two elicit from me, um, or rather their writing. Um, so, so should we get into it? Let's do it. All right. What's your number four? Uh, my number four is uh, the scene with Moth Mon and Vel and talking about the daughter. And yes. Leda doing her whole thing and chanting and becoming basically part of a Shandrillan MAGA cult. And I find that it is really interesting to see this intergenerational conflict and the dynamic, the complex dynamic of Mon and her daughter. And I wonder, it makes me think about, so in the last episode, Mon was very hesitant about wanting to uh, marry off her daughter, but it seems like Leda is very, uh, like, uh, is, is it open, really, obviously, clearly, to old Chandrillan customs. But... I think what one of the and I, she might actually accept that idea, but coming from her mother, she probably won't. So it'll be an interesting dynamic there. But what I found the really interesting about the, the comments here is when um, Mon says that it is strongly stranger here, referring to Chandrillan customs on Coruscant, mm-hmm. and it shows how often the youth in a place of in a, in a place of precarity or in a space of precarity, often away from the homeland, latch onto um, a tradition that in some ways their parents have, have t- to a certain extent, rebelled against and have moved forward from. And it is a clear marker of Leda's directionality as a, you know, within a this migrant space that she's living in, embracing something that is, is so negative. So I just, I just found a really interesting... In the way that it talks about Mon and her daughter's relationship, as well as this intergenerational conflict, um, often manifested in this rebellious spirit. Yeah, it, I think it really nails that dynamic in diasporic communities where they they often are more conservative when it comes to traditions and they uphold things and they don't really undergo. Uh, a lot of the changes that may be their uh, place of origin 
ha- has underwent in the meantime. I've I've uh, you know uh, seen and heard <laughs> about that a lot uh, in you know contemporary societies and in in history. And yeah, I think it just this is such a good example of this, and I love that you chose that. I I was really on the fence. I wanted to pick it, but I went with something else. Um, and my number four is Cassian and Melshi getting kind of captured by the fishermen. That's my number uh, two. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I just I just love how absurd this scene is because it's just ah, uh, I don't know. It, you know, they at first they're like, okay, we we're gonna do this thing, and then they just have these odd this like <laughs> I don't know this safety precaution, and then then the back and forth of okay, are they going to deliver them to the empire? Are they gonna kill them? And then they are just they just set them free with basically the gist of it is being fuck the empire, and uh, I thought it was so it was very entertaining to watch that. And just an emotional roller coaster in its own way. Yeah, well, what an incredible uh, sequence there. I what I found interesting about that is sort of the fishermen and their comment mm. on the empire kind of encroaching on their space. Yeah, and, and the pollution as well, right? Yeah, and how this is another evidence of the empire basically sowing the seeds of its own demise. Mm-hmm. And basically alienating every single person that they come across and how <laughs> little moments of like this lead to some bigger frustrations and, and consequences. And uh, yeah, I just, it was a really interesting scene and I, I really like their dynamic and Mel, she being kind of an idiot, <laughs> but it actually worked out <laughs> yeah. in their favor in the end. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. I just, I just found it an interesting scene. I wanted to include it and really, really more so as a comment on the empire. And I guess also I really, loved oh wait was it in this scene or was it later oh no this is at the end where he asks about uh how many people do you think made it and this question of survival and it actually in reality i would believe it if they were the only two and Mm -hmm. that would be so sad to consider but i'm sure Mm -hmm. um i'm sure we'll come across someone else who who who, you know came out during this thing and unfortunately it probably won't be kino no, probably not. Uh, pour one out for him. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, very sad, but still. What? A, also, oh, such a good character. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I just love this show. <laughs> um, my number three is the conversation between Luthen and Saul. Yes. With, yes. I love that. That's such a good scene. <laughs> That's on my yeah. list as well. That's my number three. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to maybe start this one then? What an incredible sequence here. Um, it begins with uh, Luthen coming into the camp and the uh, Saw's minion saying, all right, he's in a mood. <laughs> and we all know <laughs> what moods for Saul Guerrero look like. And I just found it their dialogue back and forth. They're them debating the worth of sacrificing the men uh, for the for the greater good as it comes to the end which is i like how saul says oh for the greater good and luthan basically says call it what you will and mm-hmm. in kind of in derision of that comment and the fact that now saw then replies or retorts with let's call it war and that's just such a hammer down like it's just mm-hmm. such a great line that 
indicates so much of this. And w- one of the things that I love about their back and forth, because it is really, um, you know, a debate on what to do. And Luthen, to a certain extent, is conversing for his own survival because we all know how things end if you let uh, saw on a, on a loose hook if you if you you know arouse <laughs> suspicion too much is that it seems like a word battle between someone who is extremely suspicious and someone who is extremely untrustable and how do you really create <laughs> that marriage and it's just so great yeah. back and forth and it's also so funny how he's just like when Saul's like, I'm sure you have men here everywhere. And he just points to tubes. Oh, he's so like, the funny. fuck? I didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He really throws him under the bus. And that's one of the, f- that's like a really funny, I was really laughing out loud at that. Yeah. What a great scene. Had humor, had great writing, yeah. had suspicion and intrigue. What a great scene. Love it. But I also think it shows how, how much of a tactician Luthen is because he puts the puts the uh, he says he puts the choice in Saul's hands. He didn't actually have to tell him about Krieger, uh, but he makes it appear thus. And by that, you know, saying, "Oh yeah, it's your decision." I didn't want to do this, but that's where we're at right now. He just makes Saul his accomplice. And I think that's, yeah, from a, you know, top-down perspective, it's like a a very effective way of binding someone closer to you. And that's very Lutheran. And yeah, I I very much enjoyed, if that's the right word, uh, their discussion and also Lutheran knowing exactly how to handle Saul with pulling a gun on him, which is the only thing that actually focuses his attention uh, because he's very scatterbrained in the moment and just thinking out loud, and then Luthen is like, "No, you have to make a decision." Um, I, and I think you know those are two people who just—they have their differences, but they speak the same language, after all, and they know each other. And it's—it just tells you so much about the two of them, but especially Luthen. Yeah, I mean, I—I I, I don't have anything to add there because. It's just so good. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess we already talked about your number two. Yeah. Um, so my number two is another scene with Luthen, um, which is him getting stopped by the Imperial Patrol. That's my number one. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was my number one, but I did. I went with something else right now. <laughs> it was my number one until 15 seconds ago when I changed my mind. Um, what a badass he is just throughout he has this also this great droid that helps him uh, you know throughout and he know, just knows what to do he defe- kind of defeats a tractor beacon he has uh, countermeasures for that he fights off all of the TIE fighters he knows exactly how to play all of the uh, you know, all of the procedures of the Empire and it's just holy hell is he is he great in this and it just shows you he is not just a great spider in his web of rebellion and networking but he is also just a great fighter. 
He's so good. And I mean, I also thought, why did I pick this as number one? Because I think it was the most visually stunning scene mm-hmm. in this episode. And it looked very Rogue one to me in the way that yes. the shots were made and the CGI looked and all that. Uh, I think also, yeah, we we now know the levels of Luthen. We've seen certain mm-hmm. levels and similar to, you know, all the characters that are knowing Luthen on screen, we as the audience are actually getting to know Luthen a little bit more with each episode. We see his fury and his regret in the last episode. We see his um, skill as a pilot in this episode. We see his ability to control people, all these things. And <laughs> I think also the single-handedly one, one, number one for me, just because the, the, the spin maneuver he does with the lasers is just so cool. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And the oh, way he's so yeah. calm in the face of the Empire, it's just, it's admirable in a way uh, for someone who's so evil. Yeah, for in Star Wars, usually when when the Empire uses tractor beacon, you know you're fucked. But <laughs> he's just, yeah, whatever, I can I can deal with this. And, you know, it is, it is uh, you know, uttered by one of the... Uh, soldiers on on the deck like does he really think he can escape a tractor beacon fuck yeah he can and so yeah so (laughs) yeah so impressive um but yeah i I really liked it it was again it was my number one until like a minute ago but i just decided i want to go with the emotionally more impactful scene here so what's your number one it is in the very beginning marva has died and just I could have chosen Cassian getting to know about it. I could have chosen B saying, you know, oh, you can stay for the night. But I think just the very beginning and when I think it's just an incredibly accurate depiction of grief. And also, though, the support network that B has or that also Marva had. Because you have, you know, the daughters of Ferex, you have the, uh, I forget his name again, the the other guy who then just kind of takes care of B and kind of sees that things are looked after. And I think that's how that works in, in real life often. And it's just a, gr- it's a great scene from an emotional standpoint. It's very affecting. Obviously, B's grief in is is handled incredibly well in writing and in acting and and but also everything around it and yeah you said you said it you know just also the visual of her um of of marva getting basically you know onto the street and people look on and obviously what a well-respected person she was in the community uh you can really see here and i don't know it's just emotionally emotionally so affecting yeah i didn't want to interrupt you but his name is brasso is the friend who's taking care of uh, b and all the things i love that this scene was shot from the perspective of b it was Mm -hmm. shot directly how often do we get actually even the camera level at 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 droid eye level not at human eye level or humanoid eye level what an incredible sequence and it's just so full of emotion so much full of love and regrets and sadness and just a way to open an episode that it just you're feeling so much from the first drop and (laughs) it is it's so hard to do for so many shows and the show is just incredible at doing it so i mean i have no other words to add so great job 
so next time we're gonna have a funeral i suppose and and a lot of reunions <laughs> some wanted some unwanted maybe who do you think kicks the bucket in this episode and who do you think ma- or next episode and who makes it to season two uh i it would be really weird if cyril didn't survive um yeah, I I never even considered something happening to B, but that would also, you know, that would also from a from a character perspective make sense because what is going to happen with him afterwards? Uh, I'm curious about Bix. Um, yeah, I don't know what to do with her because she's already yeah. a shell of a human. I think yeah. it's really difficult. Uh, I I think that she survives with with the cast in escaping with her. I would imagine, mm, um, but. I'm not entirely sure. It's really tough to think about. Hmm. I'm I'm not sure if like who else might like who of the major players might die. I'm I'm not sure if any of them have to die. I feel like something has to happen. I mean, maybe this is just me reading into things. I mean, I'm sure a lot of characters or like a lot of people are going to die or be hurt. I think it might just be a lot of uh, Imperial minions, like the people who are stationed on Ferrix and maybe like one other person that we that we already know on the good side, so to speak. Like Brasso. Um, He's probably dead. Yeah, I think Brasso is a, is a good candidate, if you want to put it that way. And I, I wonder, I wonder though where, where um, Cassian is going escape going to escape to you pointedly asked the question last time about cassian and luthan but i'm not sure that that's going to uh, happen anytime soon uh but yeah i mean cyntha is is still there as well so she might also uh have a hand in this and either help cassian and kill uh, get killed for it um or try to kill cassian herself and then there's a fight between her and the isb who gets to kill cassian first um yeah i don't know it's a lot of options on the table and we'll be there to see all of it damn right we will and uh, i'm just i love this show so much i'm so happy we'll get to talk about it some more and then uh, you know maybe about this show in you know its place in star wars as a whole but and i'm looking forward to discussing that uh, but for now thank you so much for listening if you've enjoyed the show give us a five star rating wherever you listen to podcasts for rashad i'm chris and talk to you next time peace